In 2010, Trains Magazine partnered with film advocate John Farr to list the 100 greatest train movies. I'm your conductor, Adam Glass. And I'm your engineer, Ron Freeman. This is the Movie Roundhouse, a very occasional podcast where we take a randomized look at these 100 greatest train movies. Engine number 76, Von Ryan's Express, is about to leave the station. As Trains Magazine says, lights, camera, all aboard. Von Ryan's Express is a 1965 prison escape movie, prisoner of war escape movie. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of those. Yeah, there are a lot of those in the 60s, aren't there? Uh, Very popular genre. Um, This was a very popular movie when it came out. Mm -hmm. It's directed by Mark Robson. It stars Frank Sinatra in the very first movie role he had where he didn't sing. What? Yeah. There was room for him to sing. He could have. He could have. I I really love movies back in the day when, you know, you'd have, if you cast a singer, he'd at least sing the opening credits song. And I really love when the opening credits song has the same title as the movie. (laughs) And I really would have loved to hear Frank Sinatra sing a song called Von Ryan's Express to open things up. Von Ryan's Express. Yeah, really, I don't do a Sinatra. I know nobody can. That's what made him such a big star. Oh yeah, oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't know if he didn't sing a Manchurian Candidate, and that predates this. Does it? Yes. Are you sure? I am sure. All right. Well, then, because Manchurian Candidate predates Kennedy's assassination, which was I think Manchurian Candidate came out in sixty one or sixty two. It did predate Kennedy, I believe. Are you sure that he doesn't sing the title? I'm positive there is no title song to Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate came out in 1962. It does predate this. I've seen the Manchurian Candidate a lot. I I apologize (laughs) that my my trivia was apparently wrong, and thank you for being able to call that out. I believe I got that off of TV Tropes, so we'll blame whoever edits TV Tropes. Sorry. All right. Um, or maybe we're both forgetting when Frank Sinatra I, breaks into song I mean, in the middle of Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> it's been a while since I watched it, so it's not a train movie. Uh, uh, according to uh, Saul David's memoirs, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Sinatra was absolutely desperate to have Richard Burton co-star in this movie. Okay. Uh, but Sinatra did not know that 20th Century Fox and Richard Burton were having an, a prolonged argument at the time over Cleopatra's exploding budget yeah richard burton i don't think was a get-along guy no no not so much yeah i think he had a lot of he, uh, uh, issues with people he he seems to have gotten along with elizabeth taylor for a while and then and then no oh, one else and then for a while again yeah and then for a while again later um, but one of those runs they yeah. were spending a lot of money to make cleopatra sure. and uh the studio was mad at him so they weren't going to hire uh hire burton yeah. i don't have any information on what uh what Sinatra hoped Burton would play, I assume that it's the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Trevor Howard role. Yeah, the uh, the Scottish sure. captain. Um, it's uh, as far as Howard goes. Uh, apparently, that role was originally written for Jack Hawkins, who, if we keep this going, we will see at least twice. As he co-stars in both uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai and uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Yeah. 
I've seen not a those. guy I can I don't not a guy I can Jack, picture offhand. I don't remember. Jack, I've yeah. seen those movies, but I don't remember what Jack <laughs> Hawkins looks like. Right, right. But I'm sure when we rewatch those movies, because <laughs> be like, it's I mean I saw Lawrence Arabia a couple of years ago, and yeah. Bridge Over the River Kwai was probably 20 years ago. So I, I do for a rewatch. I don't know that I've ever seen Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, yeah, it's very good. I did see uh, uh, the Gateway played Lawrence of Arabia a couple of years back. Yeah, I saw I, when I saw AMC it had it for a revival. Yeah. Uh, I will say compared to our compared to our last entry with Bound for Glory, I mm-hmm. found the uh, Trains Magazine write up of this one light on both film and mm-hmm. train content. Sure, uh, this is a summation of plot, really. Right, right. Which was fine because uh, <laughs> this we are now um, what eight months from our last <laughs> yes, podcast. Yes, seven yes, months. Yes, yes, yes. I am. Um, I think the last the first episode dropped. Um, around February the f- February 1st yeah. in that time and I'm just at this point thrilled to not be a podcast that only had one episode <laughs> this is two episodes so well I'm, at this point we've done all the hard work we just right, have to record right. the podcast right. at this point yeah it's good uh, we've watched a movie I wrote a song we're gonna have a podcast <laughs> to be fair I put a I put a lot of work on you for this podcast <laughs> yeah. like you said it's basically a film synopsis, uh, synopsis in the movie it sounds like the back of a DVD blurb mm-hmm. it's a little long for that I guess but not uh, not much more content um, it does on the train end point out that the uh, trains in here were real vintage mm. engines and cars. Yeah. Uh, and that the uh, the train tracks were primarily in Italy, except for that final scene on the cliffs, which mm. were tra- filmed on a real, real set of train yeah. tracks in Spain, in Andalusia. And I was, I remember watching that scene and really hoping they, that they were successfully... <laughs> going to derail that train and yeah like cause it to like careen <laughs> off the mountain yeah, which would have been that would have i mean it's ranked 76 and we've talked about how arbitrary <laughs> right these right. train rankings are this movie definitely is way trainier than the higher oh yeah bound for glory but if you would have had a train careen off a mountain yeah. and just i think probably demolish it would have it would have been a top ten train. Probably for budgetary reasons, they could not crash a real train into a gorge in Spain. But... I know, but man, wouldn't that be something? I know they just do it with CGI uh, yeah. now. The trains in Spain make... almost <laughs> in the gorges. Uh... But uh, just to see that, and that's why I contend that uh, the train is. I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, and I'll mention it until we get to watch the train. Yeah, the, the train is the best train. Movie. The train is the best train movie because the train actually derails and they derailed a real train and it's really cool to see so well we we know what ron is hoping for in each episode yeah. moving forward if there's a derailment in any of these other movies i'm, it's I'm very sad I, hopefully hopefully they really do it and do it right and, i mean almost all of these movies predate cgi so you know you're believing what you're seeing right, with these right, things right. And I like They're real. there's uh some of the buster keaton ones that are you yeah. know, high on the list. Oh yeah, of top ten are uh, have some train derailments that do not end in accidents because of their Buster Keaton movies. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. The really great one where yeah. the the train's just off the track and running down the road. Um, uh, in uh, is it my my cousins or something? I can't remember the title yeah. of it. it. Doesn't matter. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe when, when we're eighty years old. <laughs> At the rate we're going, it yes. won't be when we're 80. <laughs> Hopefully we make it to 90. Yeah. Two a year <laughs> for 50 years. Two a year for 50 We could do that. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I can, that's I a can good handle goal. that creative pace. Yeah. Yeah, this was a really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, didn't, didn't seem to take itself too seriously. Very straightforward action film. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, back in the day they had these movies that just would be adventure movies right but there was no computers and there was no <laughs> superheroes and you know was, uh, I like this kind of thing it uh, gets you in uh, it's weird like the stakes of it is strange because and I address this I address this in the song but like you know it just kind of keeps humming along everything right. goes right for these guys yeah and probably right yeah and then spoiler like 
if you haven't seen it, you should watch the movie <laughs> before that we're talking podcast, about before probably. we like. But but Frank Sinatra dies at the end, yeah. which is like strange that this movie ended on a consequence and a downer ending because right. it's just an adventure. Also, it's based on a novel where that character survives. Yes. So, and so they the, changed it. From what I read is that um, the studio wanted Sinatra to stick around and star in a sequel because back in the day they made sequels to movies like this. Yeah. They would never do that now. Right. But um, he actually insisted on dying at the end so they <laughs> wouldn't do a sequel. Not that that would stop. I think of like movies like the dirty dozen where 10 of the 12 die and they right. still made a made sequel a second, and yeah. i don't know i've never seen the dirty dozen sequels to know like how they rounded up some more people <laughs> or why they kept doing a dozen every time yeah. <laughs> is, is lee yeah. is lee marvin always the leader like just getting he always needs 11 guys who are uh, but it's um i like these kind of movies yeah because uh they're fun and uh you know, it's it's funny using war as a backdrop for just adventure. Right. Um, you don't see that a lot with movies now. If you're doing a war film, there's, you know, the gravity of death right. and suffering and all right. that. Right. And so it's strange almost to just see like a war film where um, it's just like, there's oh. No, there's no gravity in this movie. Not really. No. Like there's stakes and there's like. I mean, there's some tension. You know, hopefully he's not going to get caught, but he's not going to get caught. Right. Like, he's, you know, there's going to be a real ending, and it's not just about how awful the Nazis were. It's about the adventure of everything yeah. going on. So it's something that we really haven't seen much from war movies, probably post-Schindler's List sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like, you still had this kind of thing in the 80s, you know, but... Um, you haven't seen movies like this in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was interested in how humanely this movie treated the Italians. Mm -hmm. Um, like every, every Italian character is very round. Everyone we Mm -hmm. meet. Um, you know, we've got the, the commandant who might've been because Sinatra was Italian. Right. 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 (laughs) It's yeah. Of course they're not going to, not not going to paint all, all Italians as uh, terrible. Um, but you know we get a, at least one Italian who's mm-hmm. who's a pretty bad guy, the commandant who mm-hmm. has no spine and will sell anyone out for anyone or any reason. Yeah. Um, but then we get the the guy with the eye patch, the second in command at the camp, who ends up being their partner through the uh, entire escape. Yeah. We've got collaborators, and mm-hmm. I really love Frank's introduction in this movie, where. You know, we're in town for the start of it, and the mm-hmm. plane crashes off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And then we get the uh, the Nazi officials or Italian soldiers go out to... I think mm-hmm. they're Nazi officials go out mm-hmm. to, to, to see the plane crash, and it's just a, a random group of Italian villagers... Just hanging around. Just hanging around and uh, hiding him. Actually, mm-hmm. I think they were Italian soldiers who were hiding him, if I yeah. remember correctly. I mean, this is towards the end of the war, and I think... Right, right. Uh, uh, so I'm not sure if this was a point where like Italian and Nazi alliances were starting to break down a little. Right. Time- I don't know. I mean, timeline wise, the movie takes place after after Sicily is totally retaken, mm-hmm. as far as liberated, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So he talks. Uh, the report he gives to the soldiers, I believe, is that they just took uh, Medina, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. which uh, which would have been the. Yeah, my I used to know things sort of brain is yeah. happening here, uh, but anyway, um, they had just retaken Sicily, so you know, Italy's rolling back. It is my understanding, but all of all of my knowledge of this particular point in Italian history. Mm-hmm comes from movies yes much of it comes from italian movies Oh, okay i don't know a whole lot about it at all (laughs) yeah so i'm just like i don't know it's towards the end of the war (laughs) but all of those movies were definitely made post facto in Mm. in the 50s and the 60s um but the feel i get is by this time Mm. there are a lot of disillusioned italian soldiers who were not interested in fighting with the nazis Mm. usually out of a nationalism more than mm. particularly being against fascism. Yeah. Um, 
because even even then a lot of them still mm-hmm. supported Mussolini. Yeah. But um, to the point where uh, there's some Italian movies I've seen that talk about Italian soldiers who had refused mm-hmm. to fight for the Germans uh, being sent arrested to be sent to the front lines okay. if not imprisoned um so i'm not surprised by the italian soldiers we see who mm-hmm. who are not interested in, yeah. in helping the nazis capture an american sure. even if they don't know that it's frank sinatra i imagine right. that they just know it's frank sinatra real yeah, real frank like, sinatra. Hey, that's, that's, that's our frank sinatra, right? yeah sinatra was a pretty famous dude you know, <laughs> right also. right right um but yeah uh so like I said, I'm not surprised. Obviously, yeah. the further north they go, mm-hmm. the Germans have more control, and mm-hmm. the Italians still in power there are uh, are still in power at the German uh, yeah at the Germans' discretion. So they're still mm-hmm. um, there's a oh goodness, what's the name of that movie? Jessica stars in it, but it's it's directed by Rossellini. Um, General De La Rivera. Yeah, well, um, don't know wonderful know. movie. Okay, you you should see it. Um, but in that movie, Jessica plays essentially a con man who has mm-hmm. been telling people locally, villagers in the town he's in, mm-hmm. that uh, he can help them get their sons out of the German army mm-hmm. and or find them where they've been imprisoned or sent to the front lines and get them back. So he's taking money from mm-hmm. these people. And he's basically just splitting that ransom money with the local Nazi official who occasionally maybe has the power to get one of these guys back. Yeah. And uh, he's finally caught and arrested by one woman he tries to con. Yeah. Figures it out, basically. And when he's arrested, he's sent to a... uh, He makes a deal where he pretends to be a recently killed, but secretly killed resistance uh, general Mm -hmm. that no one seems to have ever met so he gets sent into this prison of italian italian soldiers Mm -hmm. and and countrymen and the germans are pretty sure that there's a resistance captain Mm -hmm. or high up in that prison and it's to sick his job to funnel him out and eventually he does not uh he he decides that Mm-hmm. His loyalty to Italy is more than whatever gains he might get, and basically inhabits the role mm-hmm. he has been paid to play. Okay, um, but uh, but part of that is also that the fascists are still in charge in northern Italy, mm-hmm. and they're all idiots, and the Germans yeah. know they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very a very interesting, funny part yeah. to that movie. It's, uh... um, to to an otherwise pretty depressing movie too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna have to before the next. Um, movie. I'm going to have to probably just do a whole lot more historical research on <laughs> well, we'll whatever see. we're talking about. We'll see what like, Holy shit! I just. Um, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I am a history buff, but there's um, definitely a point once you get to like world history and the history of something as expansive as World War II. It's very yeah. hard. A lot going on. It's, it's very hard to, to just have it all. It's. Uh, it's almost like. Um, it's like a lifetime course of study to just like know like world war ii stuff in such detail it's uh and that's a depressing thing to spend your life focusing right. on <laughs> you know? you're, you're a white man of a certain age it's time for you to get really really heavily knowledgeable of world war ii well i've been getting more knowledgeable about the civil war recently oh, okay. which i never had a civil war go. kick until the past couple of years um and i, I i'll just go one war at a time until okay. i get to world war ii yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I basically I got a lot of Civil War knowledge now, not enough. I need to do a couple more Civil War books and then on to the Spanish American War. And uh learn a whole lot about that for some reason. So. Yeah. Uh well, I don't think Von Ryan Express is a great way to learn about no, no, <laughs> World War Two. No. So I'm sure the History Channel has some great stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they ever talk about Hitler? I don't watch that much. Well, but, they, uh, they used to a they lot, and then they talked about UFOs for a real long time. Well, that's they dropped off Hitler, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. except where they overlap. The Hitler and UFO specials are phenomenal. Oh, really? Sure. 
I should check that stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a movie where you've got all of your, your players in position and you know who the bad guys are and you know who the good guys are. And yeah. There's a couple places where you're not sure mm-hmm. if a certain person is a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. But even that tension does not last yeah. a real long time. This is basically, this is a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And you're going to be reasonably entertained. It's a well enough made Hollywood <laughs> right, film. Right, right. It's the kind of thing that's like, this is three out of four stars. If we're talking stars, not boxcars, if we're talking stars, <laughs> three this out of is four. a solid, like, yeah, this was not a bad way to spend two hours, right. especially like if seeing it in the theater, like, it would have been nice, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, this I'm sure is, it looks great. Especially yeah. Especially that climax on a big oh, screen. I know. Yeah. Like, um, Especially, I mean, people forget, too, that back then the screens were even bigger than they are right, now. Right, Like, when you just had, like, you didn't have screening rooms, like, at AMC theaters that just have 80 seats. Right. You had, like, theaters in Manhattan with a 1,000 seats. Right. And that's where people were seeing movies. And so the, the screens that, were gigantic. That one at the Gateway that's got 12 seats. And, uh... That's a very comfortable theater. The chairs are great. They are. But um, I have been too close to people there, (laughs) and I don't enjoy that. But I like that the chairs recline, but it's three rows. I I counted, I think it's 17 seats in that theater. But they always have some good movies in there. I wish, like, on the... This is very off topic. But I wish when I went to Gateway and looked at the Times, looked on their website, that they told me what was in that theater. Because if I had a choice between two movies... I go with the one with the nice you seats. You knew it was in that house. Yeah, because yeah. the seats in the other theaters aren't as comfortable. That's fair. So it's like, well, I, I guess if it's like, oh, I want to see both these pictures, which one will I go with? I'm going to go with the one in the yeah. comfy um, comfy seats. That is pretty off topic. Though, yeah. So, uh, so you should probably that. edit all that. Out. No, no, no. It's a good conversation. <laughs> Gateway <laughs> Theater in Columbus, Ohio, people. Yeah, Great yeah, theater we theater. go to all the time. It's very good. Um, I was also super impressed uh, with uh, just how quick-paced... Mm-hmm. the first act of this movie yeah. is we get frank shows up uh improbably the old con- commander of mm-hmm. the old uh, uh you know, ranking officer has yeah. just died so yeah. he's in charge and then he makes a deal with the commandant to mm-hmm. make things better which also makes yeah. everybody mad at him but then he gets everyone naked and gets thrown in the uh the sweat box and then he gets out of the sweat box and yeah. surprise all the Italian guards have run away because American planes are flying over uh, yeah. so it's, they can escape. It does move, except there are no trains in the first act. There are also no trains in the first 35 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it really is like them getting on the train is the start of the second act. Right, right. Yeah, they make the, well, the uh, the first view of a train. I have it I have it noted. 40, okay. 4156 yeah. is uh, when the Germans capture them after they have left the... Uh, left the uh, prisoner of war camp yeah and then they get loaded in the box cars mm-hmm. and the rest of the movie is in or very near that yeah. train yeah it's a solid hour of train action for oh yeah sure. definitely yeah uh yeah and then <laughs> it's a prisoner of war escape movie but it's not a prison camp escape movie necessarily because they just walk out of the camp yeah but then they've got to escape the train which is really it's a prison hijack a lot train hijack movie (laughs) right um yeah it's a twist they're probably they've done i think the the great escape predates this stalag stalag 17 predates this so like you just uh at this point it's like well shit we need a different thing for the it's like when uh die hard on uh, like old we need die hard on a boat and die hard on a submarine die hard on a plane oh yeah so this was when there was like well, let's do a prison escape on a train yeah like, then there was like prison escape like from a boat and yeah. all these things like i don't know like this was yeah. this was basically so the great uh, the great escape this was the under in, siege of yes. 1965 yes, it was. It was. <laughs> oh man if only if only frank were also a chef <laughs> um, the Great Escape was '63, uh, I believe, but mm-hmm. uh, Stalag '17 was '53. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't aware that was that yeah, was so that was, early. That was a lot earlier. Yeah, um, but yeah, this is. I'm not surprised a movie like this was very popular on mm-hmm. the on the wave after The Great Escape, which yeah. is you know sort of 
I suppose, in my mind, the pinnacle of a prisoner of war escape movies. It is but, because I mean, it's got Steve McQueen. In yeah, and, uh, and Steve McQueen on a motorcycle. You can't go wrong. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love Steve McQueen movies. Just all you, all you, all you need for a movie is Steve McQueen, a yeah. motorcycle, and that's, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a car. Like Truffaut said you needed a gun and a girl, but Steve McQueen on a motorcycle, I think, is a good, yeah. a good alternative. But I think like. Um, because he's, you know, he's not on a motorcycle in every movie. Like I think of the like the the Mustang in uh, in um, Bullet, like yeah. such an iconic Steve McQueen vehicle as well. And he's like, this is a dude who has multiple iconic vehicles that right. he drove right. in movies. You know, it's like that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, Steve McQueen um, never played Batman. Yeah. Uh, well, great Steve Batmobile. McQueen was probably too cool to play. do we have any Steve McQueen movies on the list I don't know huh. uh, unfortunately, unfortunately I can't I'm uh, peruse the list really I can't, fast uh, I have the magazine in front of me yeah I can't sort by actor I so. should hold on I know McQueen do you know all of all of Steve McQueen's I've movies I've seen by most name. of them he didn't really make that many because he died at, he died pretty young he did and he didn't act much this last 10 years I guess he just wouldn't make a movie where he put Steve McQueen on a train because, like, then he wouldn't be driving. <laughs> he wouldn't be car. driving the train. Like, maybe if you had him conducting, like, the train, like, you know, he couldn't just be a passenger, right? You know, He'd have to no, drive the train. just from a quick perusal, I did not see any familiar Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen title. I'm sorry to hear that. So that is sad. Yeah. Well, after this podcast is through, we'll do a Steve McQueen. Well. Podcast. The sequel to Bullet would have been Bullet Train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bullet on a train. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, when we finish this, we'll move on to the Steve McQueen. Yeah. I could write a song for every Steve McQueen movie, sure. <laughs> I, be- I believe you could do that oh very easily, actually. I have, I'm already working on the ballad for Love with the Proper Stranger. Oh, oh that the unplanned pregnancy <laughs> romance with Natalie Wood. That's a good movie. Oh, Look yeah. that one up. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, there's a lot of great music in this movie. Yeah, I like yeah, this. Very dramatic, very dramatic score. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly like the uh, the music when the uh, the German official and the girl escape the train while mm-hmm. they're stopped at at the uh, stopped. Uh, <laughs> At the yeah. one stop where they wait, they end up killing both of them, actually. Yeah. Um, it was me. Uh, but uh, but the music there is uh, is very interesting because there's also like a, there's also like a, a a jazzy like snare rub that sounds mm-hmm. like heavy breathing while they're escaping in the background. Oh, I, don't know. Yeah. I watched it with headphones. Once, oh, okay. So, I'll so I heard that. I listen. I watch but, so many movies. With subtitles on and the volume kind of down yeah. because I'm watching it when the kid is asleep. Yeah. And so I'm always trying to not be very loud. So often, like, as the music gets louder, I keep pressing the right, volume right, down. Right, it's right, not right. like my preferred way to watch movies, but that's where I'm at in my life. I'm right sorry. Now. Eventually, so. she'll be old enough to stay up till midnight and watch oh, the movies with you. For sure. I'm sure she's going to have so much interest in Ron Ryan's Express the next time I watch it. <laughs> We're a long way from. Her being old enough to, all like she's not getting the way all, she's not getting all the way through like Disney movies, right? So yeah, this she, one probably not. Yeah, no I matter mean, no matter how fast paced the opening thirty minutes is. Uh, yeah, um, I I mentioned I was impressed with how humanely they treat mm-hmm. the Italians in this movie. I was also uh, less impressed with the fact that there's there's not even like a token minority in this movie there are no non-white characters in this movie at all yeah um which just given how much of the 600 men in the prison camp are british uh there should have been someone who wasn't white in that <laughs> just yeah I'm, the I, makeup of the british I army i don't know uh there all the british army was made up back then there were only four americans so i can i can maybe it's all Brits. forgive that yeah um it was uh, the British Army draws from everywhere the British were. Oh, so, so there were like yes. Indians and okay, yes. I I didn't know that. Yeah, because um, I just see it as like, well, I know like our army wasn't particularly integrated no. at the time. No, they weren't, and actually that uh, that was a a point of contention mm-hmm. when America was stationed in Britain. Yeah. Was uh, often uh, uh, Britain was not segregated in any any way, yeah. any meaningful way to. Uh, to U.S. soldiers, 
Yeah. So uh, there were a lot of U.S. commanders who were angry that uh, black men, black soldiers, were allowed to drink at the same pubs uh-huh. they were drinking at, and the British refused to do anything to it. To a point where uh, it came to uh, came to murder. Uh, oh. At least once. I can't remember the the name of yeah. the town that was involved, but it is mm-hmm. the Battle of Blank that was uh, U.S. soldiers, U.S. MPs firing on U.S. black soldiers huh. uh, because of uh, the integration of. Oh, I didn't know that. I know like of British um, drinking. <laughs> I know Eisenhower integrated the military yeah. once he was president. Right. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't but, great through the war. Oh no. So, like, that's the thing is I see a World War II film and it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand these, you know, all right. white American characters. Um, so, and, you know, I've heard the Nazis didn't really like non-white people. So, like... That's, that is fair. <laughs> so they didn't keep them around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I tend to... I know, like, that's... Uh, I mean, that's typical Hollywood right. 60s right. thing. Uh, you know, up through you know pretty recent times like that is you're just going to get all white casts and um i just I, guess I tend my, not to think about it very much with older films and just kind of get used to it right my touchstone for prisoner of war stuff is really uh hogan's heroes which had a yeah a rather diverse cast not at least some token minorities in there. was there okay it's been yeah. a while since i watched hogan's heroes yeah um i mean plus a guy pretending to be french it was yeah you know, yeah, I watched Ran it the game. when I was a kid. It was, yeah. uh, it's been, yeah. No, there was, there it's been was a very long time. <laughs> there was at least one black character on Hogan's Heroes. I okay. think it, there was a series, there may have been a series of black characters on okay. Hogan's Heroes instead of more than one at any given t- moment, yeah. but but there was there was a black guy. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, knowing knowing that the vast majority of these prisoners yeah. of war are, are British soldiers and the British, okay. the British Army was, to my understanding fairly uh integrated across yeah. that'd be uh, interesting it'd be interesting to look at the numbers for yeah. that for i remember yeah. like and not just not to, i mean they were drawing like army divisions from like yeah. india and bangladesh well, we had but watched... also you know there's just plenty of people of yeah. of other nationalities living in britain sure so. we had watched 1917 mm-hmm. together a couple oh, years yeah. ago and there were my minorities in yeah, the military, there were certainly and I was like, there. I was curious, but I did not curious enough that I went and learned more. Right, but I was right. curious. It was like because I saw, you know, there were yeah. minority characters in right. battles. There wasn't really a whole lot of characters that had lines, no, honestly, no. in that movie. <laughs> but um, any characters that had lines, it was really just the like main guy, the and main a guy. couple of colonels, or yeah. whatever. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch eventually has a line. Oh, then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget the guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I was curious. I didn't know what the what the racial makeup of the yeah. military was, it, especially back right. then or anything. So The American military, understandable here, not just because there's only four of them, but yeah. also because it was not integrated. Yeah. But, but the British military, I was... Ah. Probably should have been, but the British military, as portrayed in American movie from 1960s, certainly not. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't it, shouldn't it be that surprising? Yeah, but, I mean, I've never seen like a military film from back then that. Uh, yeah, even I, the British ones and stuff like I that. I suppose but, even the British military movies I watched don't. No, they don't never do. Really, it's yeah. all that. I mean, I think of like, um, well, like Bridge on the River Kwai and yeah. some of these other ones. They yeah. they are all white. So that's just how movies were made back then. You yeah, know? turns and, out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, time marches on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at least there's that. But yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I guess it's not necessarily true that everyone, all the other people in the prisoner of war camp were British. We just never meet anyone who is not British or those four that's Americans. True. But yeah. And they all take English uh, orders pretty well, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, clearly, none of them speak German, besides the chaplain who inexplicably speaks German with a German accent. Apparently, yeah, he's Lutheran, probably. Yeah, yeah. He said, <laughs> that's that's his excuse. He, he went to seminary in in Germany. Yeah. It's why he speaks German. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. I do love all of the all of the scenes with him, uh, particularly. Uh, and you mentioned it, I think, before we started recording, but where the where the uh, the Gestapo guy comes back onto the train mm-hmm. and is trying to get uh, trying to get Ryan's watch off of him. Yeah, and Ryan's just shrugging repeatedly so yeah and this is also brought up in the song so he does the whole thing the indiana jones thing right. where he's wearing a nazi uniform uh there, there's parts where you really see like the influence this movie had on george lucas yeah yeah um with like that and like the same thing with the stormtrooper costume like it's yeah. a it's a very much a trope but it feels this does actually feel like it informs yeah. that a little more but so sinatra is wearing a nazi uniform and pretending to be a nazi and then a nazi i commander or i don't remember yeah. his name whatever gestapo, starts talking yeah. yeah gestapo wants his watch and starts talking to him and sinatra does not act like a human being at all <laughs> and he just like kind of nods and he's looks like, at him he's like stirring coffee yeah during this entire conversation yeah and he's and just not, like not making eye contact and he's acting so incredibly suspicious right. and like just gets lucky because he is the star of the movie right which to me that takes away from sinatra dying at the end yeah because like there were so many other times where he should have died. Yeah, in this movie. he absolutely should have died, and then like he randomly dies at the end. And something that actually like he didn't necessarily have to die; he could have just been wounded at the right. end or something like that. Right. But um, so that was weird. That like there's such unrealistic um, things where he just survives fine, right. and then dies. Like I mean, the death is realistic. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's also interesting that, that it ends with that voiceover from from uh, Howard's character, the 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 British uh, official, mm-hmm. saying saying, "On Ryan, I I told you if only one person makes it out, it's yeah. it's worthwhile or whatnot." Mm-hmm. And of course, they've had a lot more than one person sure. makes it out, but they've also lost like hundreds mm-hmm. of yeah. <laughs> men with 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 you know obviously him being Sinatra being the star of the movie we have more emotional investment than yeah a hundred two hundred nameless mm-hmm. guys who die off screen or even the dozen who die on screen yeah but but no one no one else in the movie seems to put the emotional mm-hmm. depth into uh, anyone else's death than yeah. Sinatra's and that, that's a weird thing too like that is just a movie thing <laughs> yeah that like the protagonist dies and we feel it and right. that's normal for us to feel it more than the characters we're not following right but like it would make sense that the actual characters within the f- world of the film yeah. know those other guys just as well right better <laughs> yeah. better they just met ryan a week ago <laughs> that's true that's a that's um like there's so many suspensions of disbelief in just movie watching <laughs> yeah that you get used to and then you start to question and you can really kill the enjoyment if you continue to question these right, things right, right. in a like non-goofing around way like yeah. while you're watching movies like oh why isn't he oh, doing that doesn't make any sense like I hate that like you know you're not supposed to just like right. like you're not gonna have a lot of enjoyment or fun watching a movie if you're trying to think that way right, when you're watching right, right. it like the best thing to do when watching is to let yourself go and let yourself like go where the film takes you if the film is so bad it can't take you anywhere by like really idiotic yeah plotting or whatever then you know that's the movie's fault but if you're out there looking right, for right. flubs and you're looking for little screw-ups and um historical inaccuracies yeah. you just you're just not gonna My, enjoy uh, a movie my roommate has been watching the uh, the series Titans based on the DC Comics property. Oh, sure. And uh, a, the bulk of the first season takes place in Ohio. Oh, okay. And, and I was just interested enough to sit while he was watching it. Yeah. So every time they mentioned a new place in Ohio, I would look up whether or not it was an accurate representation of that place. Okay. Like they're talking about uh, a scene takes place in Coolsville, 
And to establish that we're in Coolsville, there's a highway sign that says it's 90 miles from Columbus and 24 miles from Athens, which is where Coolsville is. It's, oh, okay. You know, it's further down the highway Coolsville. there. Yeah. I, neither have I. Um, but that sounds made up. It sounds made up. It really does. <laughs> but sure enough, it's a real place, and that's okay. really where it is. Uh, but then a couple episodes later, uh, they arrive into Dayton on an Amtrak. Oh, uh, no, that's wrong. Which is, which is not. That one really took me out. But, yeah. uh, I know. It's always something like that when you know your own yeah. town. Of or, course. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm a process server, and there's the pineapple express where seth rogan's a process server yeah and i'm like oh that's funny or whatever but like it's the only movie about what i do and it's yeah you know silly because my job wouldn't actually make a good movie the uh the climax of this is really well shot and really dramatic and Mm -hmm. you know that's one one instance where i felt the tension was sustained very well. Yeah. Not that it wasn't in the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's a well-crafted movie. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, but yeah, just the way, uh, like you said at the start, you know, you, you really hope that that train's going to go off the rails, and then mm-hmm. they stop it just in time, and then yeah. the whole, the whole, what seems like the whole Nazi army is after them, mm-hmm. slowly walking up the train tracks, and yeah. they've got the, the grenades to throw now. Mm-hmm. All of the Americans die. <laughs> I really think all of it, all four of yeah. the Americans are dead by that point. I think when, huh. when Von Ryan dies at the end, that might not be true, but um, I'm pretty sure Brolin's character is dead, mm-hmm. Private Ames. But uh, but I can't think of the other. I can't. I, yeah, I'm not gonna. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it. I wish I, wa- I would have rewatched it recently. I watched it two days ago. Okay. I can't well, you watched it the other Americans uh, quite a while ago. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I did. When I fir- when we first were I watched it when we were this. when we were supposed to do this episode yeah. and then I watched it because <laughs> I had the time, um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> these things take time, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just it really is just a well crafted movie mm-hmm. and and it was popular in its time yeah. it it got nominated for a few few awards yeah, um, you know I saw something it was like the ninth or something highest grossing movie of the year or whatever okay. yeah. it's funny that this is what you know people big, really connected with yeah at the time. big movies were things like this back then yeah. you know it was prison escape movies basically i would i would say based on train content mm-hmm. certainly this is better than, than oh, yeah. bound for glory what do i give bound for glory two cars two cars yeah on on train content i would not only give this five cars i might make them five locomotives it's, oh yeah it's a Although, lot of I, train I was content. definitely gonna say five cars as well yeah. this is yeah. about as you know two thirds of this movie is on a train yeah it's as about as trainy as you can get yeah and uh the train action is cool there's the what's the scene where they're like going underneath we didn't mention that where they're going underneath like the cars while yeah. the train is moving while they're escaping and that's a out. cool scene oh the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah, so there's the, some cool train action for sure. Yeah, the means of them taking over the train is yeah, dramatic really and it's cool well scene. shot and it's really interesting. Yeah, um, I'm surprised it's not mentioned in Train Magazine, but there is the scene where they're going. They sort of uh, break the Milan interchange, and then have to hurry up through it before they're caught having oh, yeah. having destroyed. Yeah, the the transfer computer yeah. thing this is definitely um, the kind of movie that a train aficionado somebody who's knowledgeable about trains yeah. would probably really enjoy right. there is the, this being ranked 76 yeah seems ridiculous seems when, really when, low um, really low when bound for glory was what was let me look at bound for glory real quick. it was uh, it was way higher it was way higher not was, i don't think it i think it was in the 40s i think it was higher than that it's going to be easier to find it in the alphabetical in the magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're almost here, almost here, almost here. Bound for Glory was fourteen. Fourteen. That doesn't. That's higher than like I that's thought it was that's actually. the thing about this is we don't understand how they're ranked, <laughs> right? Because just like there's not really a, it's like and it, I don't. It could be so clearly like that's the thing is like As the train I, being number one makes yeah. you think okay that's the <laughs> most train movie right on the list it's right so in that's the title. how so that's how they're ranking right because lawrence of arabia is a better film than the train right. but it's not number one so yeah. it's like okay but 
so it's really it's very, it's just whatever this fella yeah John thought. Farr whatever John Farr thought man I I, I gotta get him on the podcast someday apparently we need to I yeah. gotta just to just to ask him what he was thinking yeah. and the answer will be I was gonna buy a car I, that's what I was thinking yeah, I <laughs> really think we can get him on the podcast if we, we do like if we do like two more episodes yeah. to show that we're for real I think we'll we can get him on the fifth John episode to be on the on the podcast uh, but yeah no, it's just it's. I like Bound for Glory. Yeah, I like uh, Woody. Yeah. I don't know if objectively that was a better movie than this. Um, I think it probably was. As maybe. far as it had, there was a little. It was. Deeper. I think they're, it was. They're deeper. just so. They're just so yeah. different. It's hard to compare. Yeah. really, is what it is. Um, I mean, it's a very much just like this is the difference between what Hollywood films looked like in the 60s and then what they looked like just 10 years later. Right. Which is amazing. Like, the creative growth in Hollywood over that time um, and just what you could do with unlikable protagonists, right. more complicated themes, and all that sort of stuff. Right. Like, that's... It, the, these two movies really do show the growth of the art yeah, form. This, this movie really could have... If they spent a little more time in the camp, they could have leaned into the whether or not anyone can trust uh, Ryan yeah. stuff a little more. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that the audience ever would have bought Frank Sinatra not being trustworthy. Yeah, through the would course have had of that. to cast somebody who just Richard wasn't Burton. here all the time. Um, <laughs> you could like Burt Lancaster and like, yeah. would have worked for that because he comes right. off like an asshole right. all the time. Right. You know, even when he's a hero, he kind of comes off like an asshole. Yeah, so, but not, but not Frank. No, um, even if he's not singing, there was room for him to sing, though. There was certainly room for yeah. him to sing. Like, did you ever see the movie China Gate? Did we? No, have, did I, I mention this last time? Maybe China Gate is like the very. It was a Samuel Fuller film. It's the first. It's like the first Vietnam War movie. Okay, but it was like made before the Vietnam War started. Okay. It is like literally about the situation in Vietnam made like made yeah, in the mid 60s. That doesn't surprise me coming yeah. from Sam Fuller. But and uh, in the mid 60s like as it was happening and then Nat King Cole is in the movie and at one point he just sings for a little bit. Yeah. And he sings a song called China Gate. Right. And uh it's like this is weird, but I like it, but it's a you know. You, you I probably just, did mention this on the last there podcast. Are so many, I feel like I did. China Gate. I'm going to mention China Gate like a yeah, million every times. Podcast. Yeah, just because the Make song title, it. like yeah. the movie title, song title, song randomly sung yeah. at some point. I love it. I wish movies did that now. Frank could have sang a song called Von Ryan. Well, he couldn't have sang a song called Von Ryan's Express yeah. while he was in the sweat the sweat box. Yeah. But he could have sang something while he was he alone could've. in the sweat box. He, I mean, it could have just been opening title. Von right. Ryan's Express song. Yeah, don't, don't even put it in the movie. Just have Frank sing a song. Uh, yeah, I love opening title songs. Yeah. And there's just, it's not a big thing anymore. I love when you'd watch a movie in the 70s and it was just a Burt Bacharach song. Over I don't think credits. there were much of opening titles on this movie, though. Really. I don't remember. Kind of gets into the action pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real, a real like 1930s style in the, in the, because mm. it, it's, it gets into the action pretty quickly, and then the closing title is just like two cards with everything. Yeah, I wonder when they changed that because they like the closing credits being really short was yeah. such a thing for so long. Right, and I wonder like that. Well, because at the start you'd already have the director and the stars, basically. Yeah, I mean, and now like every single person who worked on a film, yeah, you know, is listed in the credits. Right. But back in the, you know, from the start First of movie off. history through the right. 60s, like, it wasn't. It was two cards at the end. And I wonder, like, if there was a specific year that it changed, if, like, there was a specific yeah. union action. Like, I would bet it was a union action. I don't know. Let's find out for next episode. Yeah. We'll try to remember to, to look that up before next episode. Sure. And we can well, talk well, about we got it. nine months. Yeah. We can do it. <laughs> Don't take nine months for the next one. I'll try not. I'll to. try not to. I'm I don't. Very far you do or you don't. One. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I listen. I don't know if I I verbalize this for you, mm-hmm. but this is for fun. Don't make it feel like work. 
Well, we come to the end of our train as we sit on the back of the caboose, waving goodbye to the landscape as it rolls by. I'm your conductor, Adam Glass, and I want to thank you for joining us. I'd also like to thank our good friend Nicholas Rowe for providing our opening theme from his song, Everything Has Beauty. You can hear more from him on Spotify, Bandcamp, and other platforms. That's Nicholas Rowe, R-O-W-E. Oh, speaking of music. My co-host, engineer Ron Freeman, is pulling out his guitar. What do you have to share with us today? So I basically, like, I wrote this song. I wrote the first half of this song very quickly after watching the film. It wasn't, I think, my first concept, but it was like, I almost always have, like, you know, a first way of approaching it and then abandon it and have a second way. And then the second way is what worked out. And so I had the first half of the song. And I was like, oh, this is going pretty easily. And then... I couldn't think of the back half of the song, which you can see, like, there's a turn in perspective um, halfway through the song, and that was something I intended. It was like, oh, the song gets more personal in the second half, and that was the harder thing for me to write. But I was, like, committed to it, and I just, I'd rather spend more time writing a better song than just, like... Honestly, the idea of writing a song once, like if we, if I was doing once a month or something like that, I I write a song a month. That is something I do. Like that's a normal thing. But to like, I have to write a train song every month or every (laughs) two months, I would hate it. And all the material would be terrible. Like it just like the stress of like that deadline. The fact like me having it in my head, okay, I have to write a song about this thing. Yeah. I can do it. I know I can write a good song about anything in here. I might not write a good song about everything, but I know it's possible. But it's something that um I need the time to have it rattle around my brain right. to find an oh, angle it. that makes sense to me. Yeah. And so with this song, the angle that made sense to me was to start with the... Because it was not the emotional film that Bound for Glory was with a like a protagonist with a rich in her life, like Bound for Glory. Instead, we had a straightforward action film. And I was like, well, how the hell? Because like, usually, you're writing songs, you touch on the inner emotional thing right. that's what there's, like there's no inner emotions for. in this movie like, yeah like that's why songs are emotional is like yeah. it's all about expressing stuff that's inside it's not like you're not narrating things in songs like if you are telling a story in a song you're still trying to get to the inner emotional thing absolutely so like with this it was about like kind of goofing around the first couple of verses kind of goof around on the cliches of cinema yeah and then the third verse is about kind of how comforting those cliches can be yeah and the escapism of watching film that's something i have um like i used to get uh, this a few years ago and like four years ago i started getting like anxiety attacks i was getting really awful chest pain and um you know i'd go to the doctor and they put me on like blood pressure medication and some anxiety pills and stuff and it's just like it just there were like things i'd do to try and like settle down because i knew after like going to the doctor that it was just anxiety and what was the way the thing that made it go away was not just like watching movies at home but going to the theater like putting my phone away and two hours in the dark theater watching a movie and i did not have chest pains the whole two hours then i get out and go home and start to have them again and once i realized i just started going to movies all the time by myself like nine o'clock ten o'clock at night shows and i go twice a week and it was so relaxing and so good for me and um you got a line in the song about putting your feet up and your blood pressure goes down yeah yeah. and um so that was so this was something that like okay this reflects how i feel about movies and all that because it doesn't even have to be a good movie especially going to the theater kind of thing like every movie is like 30 percent better because you're watching it in the theater in the dark on the big screen it's like even an average movie feels pretty good in the theater you know a bad movie you kind of feel like you're trapped if it's really bad or whatever but you know it kind of feels less bad too it's just um 
you know, that's not for everybody. I know tons of people would feel no release at all from going to the movies by themselves late at night, you know, but, you know, we all find our things. Right. But, uh, so yeah, that's the song. Um, it's called It's the Movies. Um, my friend Don Nelson um, really did a lot on this. I basically showed up at his apartment with uh, the song and strummed it and sang it into the recorder, and he put all the other sounds and stuff there on. There you go. And uh, then our buddy Nicholas Rowe, who does the theme music, mm -hmm. mastered it. So these were the people helping me. And then uh, next episode's song, or next episode's movie. Yeah. So you guys can, um, I had to buy the Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you might be able to down, like purchase a download or something. Gotta somewhere. find it. It's, it's, uh... Uh, it's Bad Day at Black Rock with Spencer Tracy and Robert Ryan. And um, yeah, it's a good cast, but those are the two that come to mind right away they're the two main characters well if you bought the blu-ray i might just borrow from you yeah yeah um but it's a good movie but anyway look that up and i have i don't know i have some lines written <laughs> i need You're to well start on working way. on it yeah. You're well on your way. so um yeah yeah and ron uh where can people hear more music from you well i am in the band lost orchards and you can find us on spotify and I presume Apple Music. I think I paid to be on there. I've never used <laughs> Apple Music. What's it like? Is it good? That's <laughs> yeah, probably fine. But uh, you can also find... Uh, the best place to find us is lostorchards.bandcamp.com. You can also find me on Facebook as Lost Orchards or also Ron Freeman Songs and Stories on Facebook. Yeah, and uh, if you want to uh, follow... Uh follow the podcast to find out whenever we might put out another one of these soon i bet maybe maybe <laughs> uh you can follow us on twitter at at movie roundhouse uh and uh we've each got personal yeah. twitter accounts might as well throw that out there yeah. i am at the adam glass and ron is i am at trust ron freeman trust ron freeman yes. you can trust ron freeman you can that was a joke. My uh, my wife, when we were dating, made uh, bumper stickers that said, I trust Ron Freeman. <laughs> and she put it on her car, and then we made enough to give to our friends. And, uh, yeah, you see him around town. I still have some in a closet. That's <laughs> great. So <laughs> if you uh, if you want a, a trust Ron Freeman bumper sticker, let Ron know as well. Yes. Uh, uh, $10 a piece. No. Um <laughs> That's that's on you. I don't think we'll see you next time for Bad Day at Blackrock. Oh yeah. Uh we've got uh It's the movies. Yeah, we've got It's the Movies from Engineer Ron. And we'll go out on that.
turn all the lights out, the darkness feels slowly When I watch old movies, nothing can hurt me I sit with my feet up, my blood pressure drops The world around me stops Thank God it's the movies I know nothing room for fiction and selfless heroes who stay alive for sequels.